Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, December 6th, 2019. I am Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, today is a very, very big day for generations of musical theater fans because tonight... On all of the Nickelodeon oh networks, so SpongeBob the Musical will be broadcast. <laughs> Check your local listings and whatever cable provider uh, you have because it's on like all of the Nickelodeon channels. Whatever um, live TV streaming service you have, be it Hulu or YouTube or whatever. Or some janky link from an offshore exactly. uh, website that's exactly. illegal and the dark you've web. Got to put in a credit card number for yeah um, the dark web for those sweet SpongeBob streams. <laughs> yeah, this is it's not live because it actually was filmed in nice. London. If they were doing it live in London, it'd be happening at like midnight on like the eighth or seventh of November. Yeah, so, uh, but it does have the majority, not all, but the majority of the original Broadway cast, including Ethan Slater, uh, Wesley Taylor, um, Gavin, uh, Gavin, Lee. Gavin Lee, of course, um, and uh, just so much fun. Like, I, it wasn't like my favorite show in the world. I loved it so much. But it was so much fun. <laughs> I loved and, like, it, it just, so much. It so exceeded all expectations. So, yeah. check your local listings, watch spongebob squarepants the musical or the spongebob musical whatever the hell they're calling it this week and uh make sure to let uh, you know the young theater fans in your life know about it because i think it's a great way to kind of get people who might be predisposed to liking theater but not really know much about it to mm-hmm. uh, get into it so yeah. spongebob the musical on Nickelodeon channels tonight. I've watch personally it. made no plans for the evening so I can watch it. I I will I will be watching um I'll be at a concert tonight. Oh. Uh, well, with, it, something good? Uh two-time Tony winner Sutton Foster? Oh, okay. You heard I'll of her? Love, I, I, I it's it rings a bell. If she doesn't sing anything from Music Man, I'm going to start yelling like not free bird, but like till there was you. Have her like, sing from SpongeBob, so you don't miss anything. Well, I'm. I mean, I not to not to humble brag here, but I've got a press screener. So. Oh wow. Okay. I, I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up. I but see I mean, how it just, is. we'll, yeah, we'll talk after. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Ashley, something else that people can do after they listen to this episode is go to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Yes. We love all of the patrons who have been helping us keep. Uh, the lights on at Broadway Radio uh, lit and going. Um, we love you, uh, and uh, we appreciate everything you do. Um, so head over there. But Ashley, I think it's time to get into the news, because we have some big-time stuff happening on the Broadway on Thursday night. Yeah, we have the opening of the original-ish musical Jagged Little Pill at the Broadhurst Theater. This, of course, takes the iconic, not ironic, iconic songs of Lannis Morissette and pairs them to a book written by Oscar winner Diablo Cody and is directed by uh, the great Diane Paulus with music arrangements by Tom Kitt. The show has really a fantastic cast. Um, not any like huge stars. Uh, as we talked about before, Adina Menzel did a lot of the workshops, but the cast is really, really strong. You've got Elizabeth Stanley as the mother of this very, very dysfunctional family. Um, that includes Celia Rose Gooding, Sean Allen Krill, Derek Klenna, and then there in their orbit is Catherine Gallagher, Lauren Patton, uh, Anthony Cip- uh, Cipriano. Um, but just a really, really fantastic cast, cast all yeah. around. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan, uh, big fan of the cast, the show. We'll get into it. Um, but but let's go first to Alexis Solosky, who is writing for The Guardian. And she said, quote, 
on Broadway, Jagged Little Pill harnesses the hyper-emotionalism of its source to shake off the cynicism and formulaic strictures of the typical jukebox musical. Yes, its plot is shaky and contrived. Its songs, and there are so, so many of them, histrionic. It seizes on enough hot-button issues, sexual assault, the opioid epidemic, internet addiction, workaholism, misogyny, sex and gender identity, and okay, sure, gun violence too, to singe the front row. It is indisputably too much, and that too muchness is what makes it so watchable. I think this is something that I've heard from a lot of people are like, I don't like it. Like, I don't, I don't like it, but I enjoy it. Um, Matt Winman from AM New York said, quote, even if Diablo's script feels overstuffed, a few uncomfortable sequences could probably be cut and derivative, especially if the 20 or 2009 Pulitzer Prize winning musical next to normal. It is character sensitive and willing to delve into difficult and timely cultural issues such as opioid addiction, Me Too, racial and gender identity and victim shaming. It also contains a lot of humor. I think this is important for why a lot of people and myself kind of enjoyed it, such as when an English class debates the lyrics of ironic, uh, which becomes very funny as uh, it's presented as a poem and everybody debates whether or not it actually is ironic or not. Yeah, it was uh, very funny. The discourse uh, we finally need. Oh my God. 20 freaking plus years I've been on this this bandwagon, (laughs) but um, the hill you'll die on. I will. There's so many hills I'll die on. Oxford comma. everything. Anyway, thank you. (laughs) Anyway, Terry Teachout did the Terry Teachout thing in the Wall Street Journal and said, quote, The stage version, by contrast, is a cliche-prone chronicle of suburban spiritual emptiness. I found it leaden with earnestness. Teen angst, lest we forget, isn't all that interesting when seen from the outside, which explains why the best fictional portrayals of the pain of adolescence have been satirical comedies like Daria and Heather's. Way to date yourself there, Terry. Um, And while Miss Cody's issue of the week book might work as a teleplay, it gains nothing from being used as a dramatic Christmas tree on which to hang the songs. He's not wrong on that last point. Um, It is a lot. I mean, it's a lot, a lot. Um, But one thing I do want to get back to is this cast. David Cody writing for The Observer said, quote, The cast is enormously appealing, with Stanley doing outstanding work as a mother who can be narcissistic, shallow, and horrid, but whose journey to the bottom is truly heartbreaking. How an actor so healthy and fresh can grow gaunt and haggard on command is a marvel. Gooding as the brash new wave, he said no wave, but I think it's new wave feminist in search of herself is pure charisma with a pop belt to die for, cosign that one. Uh, Patton, whose DNA was clearly spliced with from Laurie Metcalf and B.B. Newworth, is an instant star. Clinna and Krill have less to do, but they do it quite well. So, I, you know, I think if you put these things all in a blender, this is essentially what I thought. Like, the book... Ooh... Oh boy, the the book is not great. The, the book is the book is. I'm not surprised about that. Yeah, I would. I expected more from Diablo Cody. To be honest with you, um, it feels very unfocused. But the songs are the songs, and they're done incredibly well. Um, one thing that I didn't include in any of these reviews actually is is the the choreography is not musical theater choreography right. it's the the movement movement direction and choreography is by i'm sure i'm going to screw this up city larby sharakui um and it is very much modern dance choreography it is not what you expect to see and i don't know if that helps or hurts it it definitely gives you that angsty energetic feel um but it's just different and and the the songs are great 
the the cast is fantastic. I don't know if I liked it, but I I would probably I'll, I'll probably listen to this album quite a bit. And if you think you might be predisposed to enjoying it, I would recommend it too. I hadn't heard anything in advance about how overstuffed it is song wise. Are we talking like Moulin Rouge overstuffed or even... no, 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 no. Okay, um, good. There's, I mean, it's just, I mean, there's. I'm, I'm scrolling through IBDB. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11 12 songs in act two not including reprises one two three four so, five yeah, six seven eight nine ten eleven yeah there's 23 songs in the show that not, no reprises included there so hmm. it's a lot of music it's definitely not moulin rouge it they feel <laughs> no I, I don't know that i would say they're all super integrated but they're not not integrated if that makes right. sense no but that's that's essentially what i've heard is i mean I haven't been terribly excited about this, but mainly because of when when it was announced, it, we were kind of in a time that was really overloaded by jukebox musicals. And I mean, this is a jukebox musical that sounds like it's of a different cloth where the music is a little bit more integrated and seems like it's made for the story. And you can dispute that having seen it. But as opposed to either those where the songs are either used almost exclusively for the sake of showcasing the songs or something like Girl from the North Country, which to me just feels like a really well-orchestrated yeah. review. There was a line in uh, Marilyn Stasio's Variety Review that we didn't include, mm-hmm. but it, I, the reviews I read ahead of time, including Rolling Stone, which when we have shows like this, Rolling Stone reviews, yeah. same with American Utopia and things like that. But Stasio had said, the kids who would love it probably can't afford it, and the grown-ups who can afford it might not get it. So I think it's kind of interesting yeah. like that. Well, like, and again, I, I can't speak to that yet, because hopefully I'll get to see it before I head out to Atlanta at the end of next week, yeah. uh, if my press request goes through. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean... The people who grew up with Alanis Morissette are my age. I mean, yeah. we, I, I don't think that we're necessarily of a generation that wouldn't appreciate this. We are right, very much. No. I'm I, late. I'm late Gen X, early millennial overlap there. So I think it's very much for the people who grew up on Alanis but Morissette. That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. Is I think you know we're getting to a time where Broadway is a bit more reflective of younger, more diverse audiences where. We get a show that seems so fittingly for essentially millennials and Gen X and written by women and includes a, a, a diverse cast, a cast of many different genders. That's exciting. And I want everyone to be able to see this. The people that I know that have seen it, aside from you, were friends who are not anywhere theater adjacent that saw the show in previews and loved oh, it. Loved it. So I'm really curious to see what this looks like. Yeah, I think one of the points that you made about how integrated the songs are, I think that really goes back to the songwriting of Alanis Morissette and Glenn mm-hmm. Ballard. Yes. The songs from this album, and even the ones that they included from other albums, which are a few and an original song in there too, mm-hmm. it is very much from a very personal perspective that feels like right. she is just spewing out emotions. So they work in context. It's a little gangly to try to fit the character emotions and oh, plot sure. points to fit the emotions of the song. But they work. It's not like other that shows where... That can be where... said for any jukebox musical. Exactly. At this point. But yeah. it's not like it's not like a show like um, All Shook Up, just as a yeah. way dated example, where like you're really fitting things that don't have 
emotion behind them. Like, mm. fitting blue suede shoes into a plot point in a sure. musical is kind of ridiculous. Mm. This actually yeah. works. So, yeah. um, maybe not great, but it works more like a jukebox musical should. Um, and we can argue about Girl from the North Country when it comes to Broadway. <laughs> dinner, I, I'll argue, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the reviews are much more positive than I think I probably anticipated. We'll see what happens with the big dog. Um, I don't know who's reviewing it. I can't remember if someone reviewed it out of town. Um, I think so, but I don't remember who. Yeah, they usually send the same person to review a show right. multiple times, but... We will have to wait and see. I, I, I think that they have to be fairly pleased with these reviews. Um, they've all they've all got some good pool quotes and nothing is scathing. So that's always a positive that's, in this generation. That can be the pool quote itself. <laughs> nothing. <scathing. laughs> nothing is scathing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Ashley, let's move on to some other news. Last night, Baz Bomber Boy from London's Daily Mail reported that West End movie and Broadway star Samantha Barks will be playing Queen Elsa when Disney's Frozen transfers to London in October of 2020. The production team will meet in London in January to finalize casting, including for Elsa's sister, Anna. But the show's director, Michael Grandage, told Baz that Barks, quote, brings an extraordinary other quality to Elsa. And at first I was like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Samantha Barks, there's just something ethereal about her that I've sure. always felt going back to that first Les Mis concert that she did. did um, that makes sense. I get that. Baz also confirmed that the new song that was recently added to the touring version of Frozen called I Can't Lose You will be interpolated for the West oh, End run. And that Grand Grandage promised many, quote, bespoke touches when the show begins performances at the Theater Royal Drury Lane next fall. Ashley, I'm an admitted Samantha Barks fan, mm-hmm. as I have said many times. Yes. So I love this casting. And we've She's seen also, her together. We have. We saw Pretty Woman together. Yes, she, I think it's interesting that she is very different than Casey Levy and Caroline Bowman. Incredibly. Yeah. Um, just in stature. Like, she's smaller than those. Those are both fairly tall women mm-hmm. um kind of powerful and 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 uh, Sam is is you know kind of kind of smaller um yeah. i think that's going to be an interesting dynamic physically on stage um and i'm also going to throw out just a random guess no inside information here but i'm going to guess that that new song i can't lose you is going to find its way to broadway when the new anna and elsa join the show in february you would that's think just my guess so with yeah. them incorporating it in both the tour and this production i think it would be Pretty strange for them to not at least try to work it into the Broadway production. And given their grosses, they probably need a good uh, good media (laughs) blitz for something there, too. Get a new song in and bring everybody in. Yeah, okay, uh, hold on. Let me, uh, Jesse Green's review from the New York Times just popped up. Ah. I'm opening it now. And guess what, folks? Like every other show that's been reviewed this season, Jagged Little Pill is a New York Times critic's pick. <laughs> um, so I'll just read the, the, the intro paragraph to you. Um, let me see here. It doesn't really say a ton here. Um, the problem with most jukebox musicals isn't the juke, it's the box. Okay, The tunes are fine, but they rarely match the container that someone is trying to jam them into. How could they? Commercial pop and musical theater have different kinds of tales to tell and different tools for telling them. So it's easy to imagine all the ways Jagged Little Pill could have gone wrong. Based on material from Alanis Morissette's 1995 mega-hit album and several of its follow-ups, it could have wound up in a bio-musical straitjacket or with a story either too light for the song's furious intelligence or too broad for Broadway. 
When I saw Jagged Little Pill last year at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I worried that it was falling into the too broad category. The script by the Juno screenwriter Diablo Cody deliberately aimed to incorporate as many pressing concerns as it could. Rape culture, racism, addiction, adoption, homophobia, global warming, overparenting, and underparenting were but a few of the themes dramatized, or at least put, sometimes literally, on placards. Fair enough. We want, my God, get to the point, Jesse. We want certain musicals to do serious work, but in the show's first incarnation, it was often difficult to discern the central story in a plot so overtangled with issues that it came to seem like a canada of discontent. The great, here we go, finally getting to something uh, relevant. The great news for Jagged Little Pill and for us is that its creative team, led by the director Diane Paulus, did more than just fiddle with the show that, though blurry, was already entertaining. The overhauled version that opened on Thursday at the Broadhurst Theater is fully is fully in focus, clear in its priorities, rich in character, sincere without syrup, rousing and real. It easily clears the low bar of jukebox success to stand alongside the dark original musical that have been sustaining the best hopes of Broadway in recent years. Wow, that is a way better review than I thought the show mm. deserved, but good for them. I am I am happy for the folks involved because I, uh, I'm i a big Catherine Gallagher fan. Uh, Celia uh, Gooding, I think, is going to be a star. Obviously, her mother's one of the best. Um, I think Lauren Patton's great, Elizabeth Stanley, so I'm happy that they got this what appears to be a rave from the New York Times. All right. Speaking of raves from the New York Times, Ashley, we're going to talk about another show that recently opened and got some pretty great reviews. But this one was not on the Broadway. In fact, this one was not even in New York or the United States. Uh In fact, it was in Gay Paris. And this is a English language production of Funny Girl starring... Broadway and cabaret star Christina Bianco. The show is done in English with French subtitles. Uh, and Lauren Capelli from the New York Times went and reviewed it and said, quote, Bianco is arguably much too lovely to be the subject of one of the musical's early and most dated songs if a girl isn't pretty. But she embodies the plucky energy of the character inspired by the real-life entertainer Fanny Bryce, an unconventional comedian who found success in the 1930s and 40s. While Bianco can be seen mimicking Streisand on her YouTube channel, in Paris she is her own performer, warm and effervescent with a clear, full-bodied voice. Her first rendition of Don't Rain on My Parade at the end of Act 1 is pure exhilaration-made song, down to her little hop of excitement as she belts out, Get ready for me, love, cause I'm a comer. Uh, Capelli continues, quote, Oddly enough, while no transfer is planned at this point, Funny Girl feels more like a ready-made Broadway product than the returning in American in Paris, which originated at the same venue that Funny Girl is playing and is actually returning later this year. Um, one more review. Mark Lundman from British Theatre said, quote, With her own pitch-perfect comic and vocal abilities, Bianco has the star quality to explain Fanny's stellar appeal. From raising laughs one minute, she shifts the tone to bring out all the emotional power and meaning of hit songs parade or people and don't rain on my parade as well as less familiar ones such as the music that makes me dance who says any of these songs from funny girl are less familiar come on mark yeah the program what a a (laughs) show-stopping intimate contrast to the overall spectacle of the production i've heard i mean this show has already been extended multiple times it opened or began performances on november 7th it has already been extended to like multiple times to march 7th um uh, look, we hear rumors of Funny Girl revivals all almost the time. As, all the time. Movies, From Liam revivals, Michelle to Jesse Mueller else, to yeah. Lauren Ambrose, whatever. 
if Christina Bianco brings this over, I think that, that would actually be quite the coup and a really smart casting thing, actually. Because she's not someone who's going to be so big that she overshadows the production. Like, people want Lady Gaga to do it, and I get it. She probably could. But I think that Bianco is probably really, really suited for this show if they mm-hmm. do, for some reason, decide to bring it to Broadway. I'm going to have Leah Michelle's claws coming out if she doesn't get cast. Oh, suck it, Trebek. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, no, but no, I do. I follow, considering my uh, previously departed, recently previously <laughs> departed life in cabaret, I am friends with Christina Bianco on Facebook. and So I've therefore seen just the non-stop amazing press that the show has generated i would love to see it transfer in some form yeah i'm trying to think about i i, I don't know i mean obviously you can't do it this year they're no they're, god they're doing it march through march 7th but um it would be interesting i i would be i don't know how commercially viable uh any production of funny girl is to be honest with you without a star but from an artistic standpoint right. i do think that she would be really really fantastic i don't know if it's broadway suited but i certainly would have a home somewhere in new york throw it in like stage 42 or something yeah. and, and let it run that would seem like a really good type seems of smart. show to run off broadway seems but, smart for sure yeah give me a couple million dollars i'll make it work <laughs> anyway all First, right actually let's wrap dollars. up yeah I, I played the lottery um Let's wrap up the show with some odds and ends. First, yesterday, tickets went on sale for Kids Night on Broadway 2020. Yesterday, children under the age of 18 can receive a free ticket when an adult purchases a full-price ticket for shows on Tuesday, February 25th. You can check out the list of shows participating at kidsnightonbroadway.com. And if you can't remember that very complicated URL, we will have the information in the show notes. Also on Thursday, Irish Repertory Theater announced that they have extended Abby Spallin's, Abby Spallin's Pump Girl for two weeks. The show will now run through January 12th. Next, our friend Adam Feldman published an article yesterday in Time Out New York, which ran through all 14 productions <laughs> a of A Christmas Carol a that you can see in New York this holiday season. I'm going to lay the smacketh down. I'm going to lay the challenge down here, Ashley. I challenge anyone out there listening. If you go see all of those shows, Mm -hmm. we will do a special Patreon episode where you talk about all of them, the differentiations of each one. So uh, check out that article. Become a Broadway radio contributor. Don't forget to take notes. (laughs) Yeah, by subjecting yourself to 14 versions of the Dickens classic. (laughs) All right. Finally, Ashley, what I think is news about what will be one of the hit and most talked about shows of the 2019-2020 season Yesterday, New York Signature Theater announced the cast for Lauren Yee's upcoming New York premiere of Cambodian Rock Band, which will play February 4th through March 8th off-Broadway. I've got a feeling this one will be extended multiple times. The show will... Yeah. The show will be directed by Che Yu and will feature songs by the band Dean Gay Fever. The cast will include former Tell Me More guest and recent star of Soft Power off-Broadway, Francis Zhu, Abraham Kim, Jane Louis, Joe Ngo, Moses Villarama, and original Princess Jasmine in Aladdin, Courtney Reed. 
The show description reads, quote, This darkly funny electric new play with music tells the story of a a Khmer Rouge survivor returning to Cambodia for the first time in 30 years as his daughter prepares to prosecute one of Cambodia's most infamous war criminals. Backed by a live band playing contemporary Dinge Fever Hits, which is a a band, uh, and classic Cambodian oldies, this thrilling story toggles back and forth in time as father and daughter face the music and the past. This show is currently playing in in California. Yeah. And I have heard it had a previous run. Uh, Deep Tran, former Tummy More guest uh, as well, um, has raved about the show on, on Twitter over the years. Um, and super, super excited mm-hmm. to hopefully see this. I'm, I wasn't planning on coming uh, to New York that early, but I might have to. Gonna so. have to. Gonna yeah, have to. Like, I'm really excited about this. And I know they've been doing a, a few specific uh, audience nights for Asian and Pacific Islanders. Yes, yes, yes. And they did two of those that were sold out. And I think I think I saw earlier today from deep uh, about five minutes and so now they're trying to do a third one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw the first one um, sold out so fast. They added a second one, and she was hoping to spread the word enough yeah, yeah. that uh, they got a third one. So, yes. um, I, hopefully, that's awesome. I think that look, this is excuse the profanity. If there's you've got kids um, in the car listening or something, oh earmuffs. But this is the shit we want to see in New yes. York, people. Like, this is the kind of th- stuff. Please. Cosign forever. Yeah, like, you and I both talked about how much we loved uh, Soft Power. Oh, God, um, and not so just because those two shows deal with, uh, you know, Asian and Asian American politics and stuff like that. But they're just, they're out there. They're not cookie cutter. They right. are people with incredible talents trying to push the form and i know you didn't apparently love um uh girl from the north country but i also felt the same way about that one not to the extent the the radicalness of the these two shows but it was something different it wasn't the same kind of thing over and over you very easily could have done a bob dylan bio musical or something but i just loved the approach that, that some of our best artists are taking um, I want to so, see uh, risks being taken and producers yes. producing those risks, please. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, these all three of these musicals that we're talking about were done off Broadway. Two of them by the public. This one by Signature. Um, so the nonprofit world is obviously again leading the charge as it always does mm-hmm. in the artistic boundaries being pushed. But I'm super excited to hear about this one, um, especially with Francis Zhu, who was so phenomenal in. Uh, in soft power. So very excited about all of this stuff, Ashley. All right. I think that's all we've got. We went to like 26 minutes. We we did not get weird yet. So Ashley, let's see if we can try to get weird here at the end. But thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. You know, I've been doing this show so frequently as the lead lately that I almost just reread the closing that's fine i'm ha- i'm happy to play second fiddle to you if you want to do it no, that way at some point right. you know enjoy, I'm, uh, I'm toads cool with that sipping my tea and editing later there you go all right fair <laughs> enough don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash broadway radio broadway radio.com slash patreon follow along i'm gonna head out to uh, clearwater flow rida to see two-time tony winner sutton foster on friday so follow along i'll have some stuff on the insta 
and uh, on, on the Twitter. I will be inevitably live tweeting the SpongeBob. There you go. The, the dichotomy of the host <laughs> today on Broadway. Have a great weekend, everybody. And, and uh, don't forget to listen to This Week on Broadway on Sunday. And we'll be back to talk to you on Monday. Bye.